Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. This is Byron O'Neill, media editor for Comic Book Yeti, and I have the pleasure of sitting down today with Marcusan Nasso, the writer and co-creator of By the Horns from Scout Comics. Hey, thanks for having me on, Byron. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for joining me today. So yeah, no problem. The first eight issues of the series are collected now in a trade paperback edition. I'm a trades guy myself. I caught up on all the action thus far, but you have a new art coming out called Dark Earth. So can you catch everybody up where we're at with the story and maybe tease where we're headed? Um, yeah, sure. By the Horns, uh, published by Scout Comics. Uh, for people who haven't heard about it, it's, uh, uh, I call it like Last Unicorn Meets Kill Bill. It's, a, it's about a hunter named Elodie who wants to kill all the unicorns on the continent of Salafis for trampling her husband. The problem is that it's impossible to find unicorns. So out of frustration, Elodie just starts going into the wild, looking to slay any horned monsters that attack her. And uh, unfortunately, all that monster hunting affects her standing in the farming village of Wayfair, where she lives. And the elders uh, exile her for neglecting to help the community. So she sets out with her uh, telepathic half-wolf, half-deer steed friend, Sajin, to try to make a one last go at tracking down unicorns and getting revenge. Uh, but they end up discovering that there's an even greater threat out there than unicorns. There's these four ancient wind wizards who are abducting all the mystical creatures on Solithus for mysterious reasons. And Elodie uh, winds up teaming up with the two unicorns um, that are captured, Zoso and Rigby, um, but they don't know that she wants to murder them. And uh, she can rip off their horns and merge them together to form uh, any magical weapon she imagines. And so they have to go out and just and battle these wizards. And then um, along the way, you know, they develop this camaraderie um, just by traveling together. So it's a lot about a, a woman who feels like all she has is, is revenge in the beginning, but um, she has to decide what's more important in life, getting back at these unicorns at all costs or just standing up for the larger community and stopping this huge threat to the entire continent and all the creatures on it. And just being able to let go of, of hate. Can she do that? Is kind of like the premise of the, of the first eight issues. And then now we're doing uh, By the Horns, Dark Earth. And Dark Earth kind of goes into the, the consequences of, of Elodie and Sajin and Evelyn, Zosim Rigby, making the choices they did at the end of the first volume and, and how that is going to affect Solithus going forward. So um, even though they make the right decisions, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to have a good impact on everybody else. Right. So as I was reading, Elodie, Sajin, Evelyn have all gone green acres on us. They're chilling on a farm, settled mm -hmm. down into farm life. Of course, that inevitably gets disrupted or the story would go nowhere. You know, so now we're flipping the script and Elodie is the target. Is that correct? Yes. So um, I don't, I guess I'll just, I guess I got to say spoilers or something, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, we don't like to give too much away, but yeah. Right. I don't really want to give away the ending of the first book, but let's right, just right. say that 
the choices they make throw um, Solithus the continent into this turmoil. There's a blight that's um, in the land. Um, crops aren't growing. Monsters are getting unruly. And a lot of people on Solithus blame Elodie for that because of what she did at the end of issue eight. And so she's got to set out to try to find a way to stop this blight, but also kind of deal with the repercussions of, of her choices. And that just weighs on her a lot. So they, they've been farming for months. They thought that the battle was out of their system. <laughs> Evelyn's living with them. The unicorns are off to their continent. Um, and then all this stuff happens and they have to go back and they're thrust back into adventure once more. And, uh, you know, it, it's really, the tables are turned because in the beginning uh, it's Elodie doing the hunting and this, and this one, she's trying to find something in limited time and then everybody's kind of against her and she'll be hunted uh, throughout the series as well. Because, you know, again, like people blame her for things that have happened. Sure. Well, I'm going to get real for a second here. I, I hate horses, like absolutely hate them. <laughs> okay. I, I had a bad experience as a kid. Um, it's funny that you brought up the last unicorn because even that, you know, feeds into the, that was like the saddest cartoon I ever saw as a kid. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but unicorns are like the pinnacle of the horse species in mythological terms. I'm I'm trying to get over my distaste for all things equine, and this is helping, but <laughs> but why use unicorns? You know, I I don't really have an, a huge affection for unicorns other than the last unicorn. Um, but it was really, it was really this movie legend. Do you see the movie legend with Tom Cruise? From the yeah. Oh yeah. I love it. He's in a metal skirt and uh, I love the movie a lot. It's a terrible movie that it doesn't really have a good story to it at all, but, uh, uh, uh Tim Curry is like the darkness and he's this awesome adversary in it. And in that movie, he wants to find these unicorns and take their horns and plunge the world into darkness. And he does that. But he doesn't really do anything with the horns. He doesn't have a plan for the horns. Right. And I was like, they're that powerful. And you you have zero plan except to get like Mia Sarah in like a goth outfit and parade her around. So that always bothered me as I got older. So I thought if unicorn horns are that powerful, what would happen if somebody actually took those horns and used them for something? And uh, then I thought, okay, would it be cool if they ripped them off and then merged them together and could form weapons out of them? And of course, that's not really a story. So I had to build something around that. You know, why would somebody rip off the horns? How would the unicorns feel about the horns being ripped off their heads? Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. So then the story kind of just grew from there. So that's why I decided to use unicorns. But also, unicorns are these magical, um, like almost supreme beings of goodness, right? Right. So I like the idea of, well, what if somebody thought unicorns were just assholes? Yeah. You know, what if somebody had a real beef against unicorns? That's interesting to me, that playing them against type. And so, um, of course, the book is a lot more complex than that when it comes to the characters. But initially, that's what I wanted. Elodie hates unicorns, and she has a pretty good reason for that. And um, so I just never had seen that before and, and anything. Yeah, yeah, it's very original. I mean, so many elements of this book. I was, I was surprised at times by my own kind of suspension of disbelief with, with a lot of these elements. You know, you've got a floating eyeball with a ray gun and a unicorn-driven story. Um, mm -hmm. So it has the reader kind of like, fuck it, let's go with it, though. It's so much fun, right? So did you have any constraints on how you wanted to construct all those kind of odd elements in the world? Uh, I don't think so. I just, I think about characters first. Whenever I read a book, if I, if I can't get into the characters, then I'm probably going to be out. Yeah. So I always think of the characters first and then I need, so I have Elodie, I have Sajin, you know, because I need somebody to, to play off Elodie, who's going to be like the voice of reason. But I also wanted a character in that world who was just kind of um, naive um to the ways of things because that innocence is something that you know Elodie hasn't really thought about in a long time and so that's how Evelyn came up and I just I love a floating eyeball just popped in my head I thought that would be really fun to do it and then I, I had a really cool backstory that just popped in my head for Evelyn that we'll get to uh, eventually 
Um, so that's how it happened. I, you know, there's no, that's, that's part of the magic of comics, man. You can come up with anything you want. Um, you can do anything with words and pictures. And so, you know, and this is a fantasy realm, you know, with technology in it. So we're, it's pretty limitless as far as what we can do with it. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know where the idea for the eyeball first <laughs> came from, you know, beholders, <laughs> but uh, I just thought of this idea of like, what if it's an eyeball and it got ripped out of a frost giant, you know, and then became sentient, you know, what, what would that be like? So it just kind of stems from there, but um, it's really about characters and trying to get characters in there that can play off of each other and really work to um, help the group and learn things, each individual um, by interacting with those characters. And so um, Evelyn's great because especially the way Jason draws her, because she's almost like an emoticon for everything that happens in every scene. So even if she's not saying anything, you might see her in the background and she's, she's, you know, happy. She's sad. She's like wondering what's going on. And I love that part of it. And um, a lot of times I'll write some of those out, but sometimes Jason just goes off with her. Like she might not even be written in a scene and then I'll put her there just to show what's what, how people are feeling in that particular scene, which I love. Sure. I mean, you and Jason seem to have this really easy and relaxed kind of relationship as co-creators of the book. You've worked together in the past on Voracious. So it seems like you've kind of worked out those, those initial kinks, if you will. So how do the different aspects of creating by the horns kind of hash out? You know, what's your, what's your process between the two of you? Yeah. I mean, we're co-creators and um, we, we work on everything together. So, um, of course, I come up with the ideas, uh, like for By the Horns, I came up with the idea, I pitched it to Jason, and then if that's the book that we decided to do, like we did decide to do that one, there were other books, um, we talk about it, we talk about the story, the characters, we talk about what Jason really wants to draw, because he wanted to do something different than, than what we did in Voraces, and I did too. Um, so we talk about all that, we talk about the environments, and, um, you know, I have some ideas for the characters and, and then Jason will go off and draw it and then we'll workshop that stuff together. Um, so like when I'm writing scripts and everything, I'm not doing character descriptions because Jason and I have already worked that out. We go and have beers together. He'll draw. I'll look at it. We'll make changes. And we know like what this world's going to look like, what the characters are going to be like before I even sit down to write the script for issue one. So, and then once I write the script, you know, Jason gets to look it over. If he has any issues with it, he lets me know. He does thumbnails of, uh, of every issue. And um, so I can look at it too. And if I have any issues, then, then I let him know. So we just kind of check our egos at the door. It's our baby together, you know? Yeah. Um, I really wanted that. I really wanted like a true collaboration. I don't want to just like, here's the script. You do it. I want Jason to be as invested in the world. I want him to, to feel like it's his world as much as it is mine. And it is it, by the horns. Wouldn't be by the horns if it wasn't for our two different sensibilities coming together to mesh that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's easy to see why the book has been so well, well received on one hand, it, it's highly detailed. You've got the maps, the logo changes from book to book, the unicorn horns are different shapes, colors, it's populated with this, you know, its fair share of fantastic beasts, which is pretty standard, right? But Jason did this really amazing job of translating that, that complex material and mythological culture without really needing to explain all that much of it. But it, it was interesting because it's a bit unorthodox. I mean, it's, this is not Robert Jordan. Like the, the pacing is, is pretty breakneck, right? So what were some of your inspirations? Have those changed at all? you know, as you moved into the second arc, Dark Earth of the series? Uh, you know, I guess I don't have any direct inspirations for the book. I like comic books to move pretty quickly. So yeah. I feel like a lot of times comic books take forever to get where they're going. Sure. Um, so, you know, I would say stuff like uh, video games, like Final Fantasy, Star Wars, they all have like an impact in there, a little bit of dunes in there. Um, but, you know, really, it was something that just came from my own head. And mm -hmm. as far as the pacing goes, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to be pretty brisk. I knew that I wanted everything to matter in the book and to have it like move. So, 
Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, a lot of the elements you're talking about, like uh, the creatures and stuff kind of comes out of RPG games. You know, we yeah, have yeah. The, the travel map in there, you know, yeah, we've created sure. like over 30 creatures, which is pretty unusual for a comic where we've named all of them and they all have like LED, there's a little travel journal and she explains what the creature is and how to kill it or how to circumvent it when they're on their journey, which yeah. I love doing. That was an idea Jason had in the book. And I've, I've really grown to love that. You'll see like in the travel map in the first issue, the descriptions are shorter. And as it goes on, there's they're a lot longer because I just having so much fun with coming up with ideas for the characters and just writing about what they would be like. So, yeah. So um, a lot of that influences, but really it mostly comes from my head on what I want to do and what I, what I think this world should be like. Um, so there's not anything that I would directly read and be like, Oh, I want to make it like this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I don't think that way. Uh, usually. So um, I think you can see a lot of different influences in By the Horns, but I think it's pretty hard to pinpoint, you know, okay. a specific one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm an old school D&D kid. So that, mm -hmm. that RPG element like really spoke to me. You were talking about those creatures. You know, my favorite was the Bashina, which is something like this hyena mountain goat kind of smash up or something mm -hmm. did, did you and jason just like split a fifth one night and you know planning a D, &D campaign it was like hey this would make <laughs> a great comic you know it's just it's just funny yeah it's cool and we, we actually for for dark earth we have a, a really great artist named uh, jonathan la mancha he's a horror artist who's done a lot of uh just cool images for um uh I don't know, different comic books and a heavy metal magazine and so he's doing what I call the, the bestiary covers. So he'll take one of the, the creatures from uh, one of the issues and then do a cover on it. Um, so we didn't do the Bashina. We've done, he's done three or four of them so far. And then on the back, it'll have that, uh, that little image from the travel map so you can see it with the description on it. Yeah. So I like that idea because, um, you know, a lot of those creatures, you just don't see LED interact with or any of the characters really they're just on the map some of them you do but for the for the most part you don't even see those characters so I thought it would be kind of neat to highlight some of the awesome creatures that we've we've created and mostly they come from from uh, my head to start so I'll mix two animals together and write the description and then Jason has to interpret that and then kind of come up with it it's been pretty fun yeah yeah it, it sounds like a lot of fun I mean has anybody like approached you about making this into like a DD campaign because i mean you've got ready-made creatures right there that are new <laughs> that's true no i haven't I, no one's approached me i don't okay. know if anybody's uh gone to scout but uh, yeah i mean i think our our book is kind of tailor-made for a game yeah you know, totally. I, there's not many books that have that many creatures in it with all the descriptions and designs so yeah um, i never really think of the book in terms of other mediums though I, I just write comics, but of course I'd be open to, to something like that if it fit happened. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. It would be, it would be pretty cool. Uh, book. I'd love All to right, write listener. the source book for it. <laughs> Step up. You heard it here first, make a D and D campaign. And I love D and D. I mean, I, I used to play that as well. So, yeah. um, and I've been thinking about trying to get back into it because there's all these neat RPGs from, um, not just D and D, but uh, there's a Blade Runner RPG yeah. that's that's out now, and I, Blade Runner is my favorite movie. In fact, I just did a podcast with talking about just Blade Runner um, yesterday or a couple of days ago. Okay, uh, so that was pretty fun. So yeah, I would love to start doing uh, start playing RPGs again. Uh, I just don't know if I have the time for it. I feel that 100%. I would love to. And it's just, I see all my friends playing in groups. I was like, oh, I still want to do this. Yeah. When am I ever going to be able to do, do that? You, do, do you play games at all now, Byron? Like uh, video games or anything like that? I do. I do. Yeah. Um, we've recently gotten back into World of Warcraft, actually. So oh, nice. Yeah. We play that as a family. My son's old enough. Like he remembers when he was little back when, when my wife and I played, he would fish. He would just go around everywhere and just just fish when he was like three oh, nice. um, so now he's 14 and he he really enjoys we play with his godparents and a whole group of friends online so yeah yeah so that's great yeah, yeah I, uh, I i play steam i have a friend uh, from high school and we we would play steam games um every tuesday but we haven't done it in a while because i had moved to hawaii then i moved back and then he had another kid and 
so I just talked to him last night and we're going to start it back up on awesome. Tuesday again. So I'm, I'm pretty, pretty stoked. Just a few hours playing games every week. It's like, I got to schedule things at this point to, yes. to, to make it happen. You know, 100%. I understand completely. <laughs> well, back to this stuff. How, how does a writer carve a unique uh, new comics vision in this already saturated fantasy niche? I don't know. It's a, it's a good question. I think um, I just have weird, really strange ideas. I think <laughs> I, <laughs> when I think I almost, I mean, I've got ideas for about 50 more comics and they're all really weird and, and, and unique, I think. And I think it just kind of comes from my brain. I just conjure that stuff. But the thing with my comics, I always like to come up with these kind of off the wall concepts and then really ground the characters in, in, in a place that you as a reader can understand. You can, you can relate to those characters, even if they're very fantastic. You can relate to Evelyn and she's a floating eyeball. Yeah. So um, I, I don't know, that's true. There's so many comics coming out here and, uh, and fantasy has grown so much over the years. I remember when I was growing up, there was hardly any fantasy comics. Yep. And now there, there, there's, there's quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I think it all comes down to really Byron just focusing on the characters. Again, like it's in a fantasy setting, but it, it's really about Elodie and Sajin and the unicorns and Evelyn and, and how they're navigating this world and, and, and each other and how they're, they're dealing with that. And that's unique. You know, if you can make that unique and um, you can bring out there's some other elements that maybe people haven't seen, but it's really the characters um, that I think drive the series. Well, tell me, so Scout's calling this a maxi series. And I, I've got to admit, I don't really know exactly what that is or how many that entails. The first arc, uh, The Wind Rises was eight. So how many do we have in the second? It's probably going to be 12. Okay. In the second one. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually trying to figure that out exactly so the idea with the series we were going to be uh, we're an ongoing and we were going to just keep numbering the book you know one through 40 50 however long we go but the reality is like you're just talking about there's a lot of comic books out there and uh you're going to get more pop if you do a uh, number one and you know me and jason this isn't our it's not our uh, regular job, right? We do this because we love it. Sure. And for, especially for Jason, he's got to draw, he can draw a page a day, which is fast for, for an artist. Fast. Yes, but he's got a new baby and it's a page a day. So to draw a book, that's most of the month. So he doesn't have a lot of time to do other things. So um, the compromise was that we would do the series of mini series. Um, and then we have legacy numbering on the back of each issue okay so um i'm writing this one more like the ongoing series so there's a little bit more breathing room in it i think than the first series uh, but it still moves pretty quickly you know i like everything to matter in the book and uh, i like the plot to to keep moving forward yeah so um so that's why um, that's happening. So I wanted to get a, little, a few more issues to make sure we got everything set up for the next series and the next series, because we have uh, at least four arcs planned, may, maybe five. But Jason and I have, sat, we sat down, talked about everything that we want to do. You know, I, I told him where I thought the character should go, what the complete arc is for all the characters. Because I write out character sheets for every single character that we have in the book, Byron because I want to know what they want, where they're going, how they're going to get there, how they're going to interact with other characters along the way. And uh, I want to make sure that I hit those beats, you know, as we go along in the book. So well, it's looking like 12. Okay. Uh, let's go in a bit of a different direction and get <clears throat> metal for a bit. You know, tell me about your podcast. We are metal heads, but I mean, okay. So the name there kind of explains it all anyway, but how did this whole thing come about? Uh, well, yeah, it's the, called the Metalheads Podcast. The, the website is We Are Metalheads, uh, or you can just go to metalheadspodcast.com. We, we have both uh, domain names. Um, so Metalheads, I love Metalheads. I'm actually recording an episode this weekend with them. And how it came about is I was just a fan of the show because I love metal. I've been a metalhead since I was a teenager. 
Um, but I haven't had a lot of friends uh, that are into metal. Um, in college, I did. But of course, after college, you kind of go your separate ways. And I talked sure. to them sporadically. So I looked for a podcast just to listen in to people talk about metal, just because I wanted to hear people's thoughts on the, the new albums that are coming out and news and all that and found the metalheads. And so I was a pretty faithful listener um, for, for months. And then they put out this call to have listeners come on the show because the metalheads, they're always about uh, the community of heavy music. They, they wanted to meet other like-minded uh, listeners and, and metalheads. You know, they, they wanted the podcast to be for everybody. And uh, so I went on the show, um, you know, I asked to be on the show and they're like, oh, sure. So I went on there and they interviewed me at the time I was writing Voracious. I wasn't writing by the horns. This is, I would say maybe three years ago, three or four years ago. Wow. That went quick. And um, so we had a blast, had a great time doing the cast. And then they just invited me back to do their year end, which is a a countdown of the the best metal albums. And I was like, absolutely. I'll do that. I went on there. And then from there, they just said, Hey, we were thinking maybe we'd have you be a fill-in in case somebody can't make the show. I was like, I will do that. So I did that for maybe two episodes. It's like, we have to have you on the show every single episode. So we watched TV. And I said, that's perfect. Cause I really love hanging out with you guys. And now they're some of my best friends and I talk to them every day, uh, not just about metal, but all kinds of things. And um, it's just been a joy, joy to do it. Uh, I think that when people listen to it, they really, they get a sense of the the camaraderie that we have and the friendship we have. And there's people who don't even like metal who tell me that they like the show because they just want to listen to us interact, which is the greatest compliment you can get, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was wondering myself, I, I haven't had a chance to listen to an episode yet, but there are six people on the pod. So I'm like thinking, how in the world does everybody even get a word in? I mean, that's, that's a lot. Well, Matt doesn't even really talk that much. He's a, he comes in and just throws in one-liners. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, we, we have six people and then we have a guest usually because we interview a, a musician or sometimes we've done a whole bands. So there could be up to like 10, 11 guys or gals or anybody, you know, on the cast. So um, yeah, I don't know how it works, but it does. It works really well. We have a format for it. So I think that kind of helps as well. Um, a lot of podcasts are free form, but ours isn't. I mean, we do do a lot of that. It, it's like a five hour cast too. So you're going to have a chance to, to, wow. to get a word in. Okay. okay. So we do the interview and it's very in depth. And usually almost every musician is stuck around to, to, to do the rest of the cast with us, which includes uh, news, uh, new releases. We do a, a beer and t-shirt check on every cast. Um, we do a what we're listening to section. Okay. Um, so everybody gets a chance to, to say what they're listening to. Uh, we do a top five list or we do a metal Thunderdome, which pits two albums against each other. So we, we go back and forth with those two. So we do that round Robin style. So, you know, we count down like for a top five, five to one, and then I'll go next person will go with number five and the next, and then we go to number four. So everybody has a chance to talk and give their thoughts on everything. And then we have album of the episode, which is um, any album that's been mentioned on the cast, whether it's by uh, the person, by by me or by somebody else. If somebody mentions an album, we think that's the best album or the album we think should be the episode. We, we, we say that that's what we choose. So, yeah. So the format, I think, um, really helps with that. But uh, I think uh, also because we've been doing it so long, we kind of know the visual cues and we're doing it on Zoom like you and I are, Byron. So I can kind of see, you know, when you're going to talk or not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was really curious. Um, you all have nicknames. Yours is Jackhammer on the podcast. <laughs> do, do I even want to know? I mean, can we get that naughty here? I mean, I yeah, I mean, we can talk about it. It's not that naughty, really. Oh, okay. um, but no one's ever asked me about it. So sure, it was my nickname in college. Okay. So um, at the time, I was in college. Man, when did I go to college? 93 to 97, something like that. And uh so my friends who I met in college, they were big metalheads. That's where I really, really got into metal. I was into hardcore music before that and a little bit of metal. But when I went to college uh, at Oswego State in New York, um, I met these guys and they, that, that's all they did. They listened to. They had this uh, 
a suite that they called the Death Star, and they would just smoke pipes, tobacco pipes, and just listen to metal. Yeah. And uh, so they would, it was the time when everybody, uh, they used that word, oh, you're a tool, you know? Oh, yeah. So we called people tools all the time, but then we, we would take it to another level where it was like, oh, that person's a tool, but he's, he's like a chisel, you know? He's, <laughs> you know, that guy's a scythe. And they, they called me the jackhammer because when I would, would drink beer and stuff, I would get like hyped up. I would get pumped up. And uh, so like beer was the fuel for the jackhammer. And um, it got shortened to Jack over the years. So those guys from college still call me jackhammer. <laughs> they, they call me Jack. Like they call me on the phone. Hey, Jack, which is weird because, you know, not my name. And they're the only ones who do that. So my wife is kind of freaked out by that. But um but yeah, that's what it was. Uh, everybody, I think, had like a different tool nickname just because it was funny to us. And uh, yeah, love the jackhammer nickname. Oh yeah, I forgot yeah. that was up on the Metalhead site. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nicknames stick. I mean, I mean, mine stuck. There's a handful of people who, if they mm. call me Mako, right? Like, and okay. that's, well, back that then. From? Well, back then when I was on the road, I was really, really lean. Hmm. And I really like sharks in the free time, you know, I go diving. So Mako stuck. So nice. Nice. Where'd you grow up? I grew up actually in East Tennessee. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've never been there. I'm afraid no. of the South because I'm brown. <laughs> You're not missing a whole lot. Where I grew up was really weird. Um, There's a small town called Oak Ridge, um, and it's where the Manhattan Project was. So we had three nuclear power plants, like in this itty bitty little town, like surrounding. Oh, okay. And the entire town during that whole Manhattan Project era was surrounded by a fence. So it does have an interesting history, but yeah, you know. Cool. I mean, my wife's from the South. She's from Kentucky. Oh, okay. And a yeah. little town called Paducah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I've been there. I've been there and the metropolis isn't far from there. And that's the, the Superman festivals held every year. So I actually kind of like going to that. Yeah. There, there's some really cool stuff like the, the Derby, if you're there and that mm -hmm. happens to, that is truly worth going at least once in your lifetime, mm -hmm. just to there, experience. There's like a quilt museum there too. Yep. Which yep. is pretty good. Well, I have my own quilt museum for my, my nana's that, uh, <laughs> it's in, in my cedar chest like that yeah. now, now i'm getting southern right yeah <laughs> did you have an accent before and then then lose it because i don't really detect one now i did and i do um it will be really pronounced if i've if i've gone back and i've visited right <clears throat> it mm -hmm. takes about two and a half weeks for it to go back away uh but really i kind of beat it out of myself because i really hated that um ignorant uh, you know, moniker that just got stuck with people from the South. And I mean, right. I'm proudly Southern and the South has a lot of problems too. Um, so I wanted to represent better than people initially meeting me and just thinking, okay, just an ignorant dude from the South. So mm -hmm. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I cheated for my next question. I was going to ask you what your favorite uh, metal show was. Um, spoiler, Slayer. So at least it is on the website. So what made that one special? Uh, well, that was the slit. Well, that's when I went with my, with my friends from college. Okay. And, um, so I was, yeah, I was the jackhammer <laughs> then. And uh, yeah, it was the, it's like the first time I ever saw Slayer and uh, it was a very small like gymnasium. And so I was right up front and uh, there actually a fight broke out in there. And oh, yeah. uh, uh, so <laughs> that was pretty memorable. And we had to travel to get there because it wasn't near the college. And uh, it was just, I don't know, it was just memorable for a lot of different uh, reasons. You know, the full lineup was there, you know, and uh, just being with my friends. I didn't go to that many shows with them, maybe just a handful of shows. Um, and Slayer, of course, is an iconic uh, metal band, but for sure, uh, I don't know. I just have really fond memories of, of hanging out with the boys in college and then going to metal shows and just really cutting my teeth on metal and like learning about different metal uh, genres and bands and stuff then. Uh, but the Slayer show also was just a phenomenal show. 
I think they've always really put on a great show because yeah. I've seen them many times since. And of course, they're not they're not playing anymore. Um, but but yeah, man, it was awesome. Jeff Hanneman, uh, he passed away a few years ago, the, the guitarist. And uh, so he but he was at that show. So I think that also contributes to it, too. It's like you get to see this this legend perform and uh, just in a really um, I mean, people were just so pumped. Obviously, there's a big fight there, too. So people the best, are really into it. <laughs> yeah. Can't be a male show without a fight. I mean, I'm always in the pit and I, you know, I'm older too. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I actually got, I actually got hurt at a show. I went to the Decibel Metal and Beer Festival last year and uh, I, I decided not to go in the pit for that show uh, because my wife's like, oh, you know, there's COVID going on and you know, you're old. <laughs> so maybe you should stay out of the pit. I was like, all right, I'll stay on the fringe, the edges. And uh, somebody was in the pit and just came out on my blind side and like hit me in the back of the head. And like, it knocked me out for like two seconds. I fell to the ground and then people picked me up and brought me to the bar and my leg was hurt. So I ended up going to the emergency room because I just wanted to find out, make sure my head was all right, make sure the leg was all right, which um, was a bad choice because it took eight hours for them to actually see me in the emergency room. in philadelphia so i could have died if i had something wrong with my head wow Um, i finally got the mri and everything everything was fine my leg hurt for a while after but it's fine now but um so i joke with my wife now and saying you know i got hurt and i wasn't in the pit so the moral of this lesson is i need to go to the pit every single show because i've never been hurt never been hurt but i've been in the pit and i've gone in the pit every show you're a braver man than me. Like at 47, I'm like, uh, n- no, I mean, <laughs> I might be convinced. I'm like really interested to go see the who, um, okay. if, um, I don't, I don't know, probably heard the Mongolian band. Oh, you're talking about, um, oh God, what's their name? It's H U. It's like no, the, the who band. Yeah. I've seen them actually play live. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I saw them play live. Uh, they were pretty cool. Yeah, they're not quite metal enough for me. I don't know how okay. to describe no, it. They're, they're they're more like a, I guess, heavy folk almost to me. But I did I really like I really like that band, especially yeah. if you watch the videos and they because they have all the custom instruments. Yep, and they're crazy looking. Yep, uh, I love the videos. It's like it's fun. I think they just bring a cool sense of fun and edge and and I mean, how many Mongolian bands do you do you know uh, exactly? <laughs> And there's that really cool, I mean, the name escapes me right now, but it's a metal band that just dropped their album um, from India. And it's like this sort of, I mean, hybrid even, because they've got like rap rock elements to it, but it, like it, it gets pretty heavy, like, you know, towards Rage Against the Machine kind of sound. I, I wish oh, I there's could. rap in it? I wouldn't listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, See, metalheads don't like, like. It's funny because people will talk to me about metal and um, they know the stuff that's like a little bit more popular. I get a little bit mainstream. The stuff I listen to, like, yeah, people don't know about. Right. You know, death metal and doom metal. You know, we're really in the weeds with that stuff. So, um, but I, you know, I listen to anything. If you, you give me, which I do not like hip hop, but if you give me something that you really like, even if it's a pop or something like that, I will listen to it because I don't like to naysay things. Sure. You know, I like to try everything, uh, especially if somebody tells me how much they like it. And uh, there's just a variety of music out there. In fact, every year at the end of the year, I usually I, I'll put up a post asking people, what was your favorite uh, album that wasn't metal? Because I'm such in a metal hole because being on the Metalheads podcast, we get promos of albums all the time and we oh, have yeah, bands sure. going on so i'm just constantly just listening to metal which i love don't get me wrong but i kind of wonder what else is going on out there yeah yeah i mean i'm trying to remember i think i've only seen slayer one time um i know that's that's sad and tragic but <clears throat> all the thousands of shows that i've worked and i think it's it's just really the one time mm-hmm. and, and and sadly that the so show was absolute shit because the pa system was completely messed up from the night before because the mm-hmm. night before was the insane clown posse and if you know anything about them they spray fago everywhere like 
the two liters of Fago, it's just, I mean, it's over everything. Weird. PA system, XLR cables are all yeah, different. So like they everything. ruined the show for Slayer? Oh, it, man. Well, it did, because it was the same PA system that stayed mm. in place. Um, and, and the sound was just completely jacked up. So that's, that's, wow. Now I don't like that band. Well, I don't really like that band anyways, but now I really don't like that band. I can't stand <laughs> the insane clown posse. Like, well, there's just awful. But. What music do you, do you like to listen to the most, Byron? The most, um, I mean, it, okay, this the genre, I, hate, I guess. Well, or, I hate to or, say or band. No, no, I hate my favorite band of all time is the Cult. Um, oh, I love the Cult. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I I grew up. We were probably close to the same age because I mean, you were talking about going to school like '93. I think. Oh yeah, I'm gonna be 47 this year. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so I get because I worked so much security back in the day and stuff. Like EDM is one of those things that I listen to a lot just because it's one of the few things that I can listen to while I'm working because mm-hmm. uh, it's just like background music. If it's like something that's hype, like actual metal and somebody's singing, like I will completely lose track of my concentration. <laughs> yeah. I listen to a lot of ambient music, like spacey ambient music. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing I really, really like. Like uh, I love this artist, uh, three, six, really good. A uh, Sangam um, just, um, it's almost like these like Blade Runner-esque soundscapes. Um, just kind of lush uh, space operas, you know, instrumental. So I like that a lot when I'm working. I do listen to metal when I work too, but um, sometimes when I, I don't want lyrics or I don't, I don't want that high of an energy, I throw on some of this other stuff that I like. Yeah, I mean, I, my defaults are <clears throat> Rage Against the Machine, the Deftones, that's, that's kind of Deftones are amazing. Yeah, yeah, kind of <laughs> my pocket. Um, I was going to ask you too about Skull Fracture Records because mm-hmm. you, know, you mentioned that not quite metal, but more ambient stuff. So you have an EP actually inspired by By the Horns from Arctic Sleep, right? So mm-hmm. tell, me, tell me about that. Yeah, this is great. It was one of the best collaborations ever done. Um, uh, Arctic Sleep, um, Keith, um, came on the, the podcast. He's a friend of the podcast, even before I was part of the metalheads. And I just kind of got to know him and, uh, he was just really interested in my comics and everything. We kind of st- struck up a friendship and I love Arctic sleep. I just think they're an amazing band. It's mostly Keith's music, but then, you know, he brings other people into, to, to work on it with him. So I just had the idea when I do a comic book, I kind of want to go big with it every single time when it launches um, or just do something unique with it. You know, I try to do that with voracious, you know, we have the recipes in there and we, we did signings at restaurants and butcher shops and um, we did aprons for a Kickstarter and just, you know, fun things like that. So for this one, I really wanted to do, I wanted to merge my loves. So I wanted to do, you know, um, some songs that were based on the, the actual book, but I didn't want to just pick songs that already existed, which happens a lot. I mean, there's not that much music and comics merged together. It's, it's yeah. definitely growing like yep. Z2 and some of these other publishers are doing that, working with bands and, and putting that out. But as far as original, yeah. But as yeah. far as original music for comics, like it doesn't happen. Yep. I can't even, the crow did one like really way, way, way back. They did a, did a, uh, an album just for for the crow, but so I really wanted to do that. So it was fun because Keith was totally for it, and um, so I talked to him about the the story because he wanted to really get into the heads of the characters, and he wanted me to write the song titles because he always starts with the song title before he even goes in the music, before he does lyrics, and so I came up with the song titles for it, and um, you know he just crafted two really wonderful songs and the idea was to have one from the perspective of Elodie and one from the perspective of the unicorns and uh so he did it and I was like I gotta go bigger with this I'm I want to press it on vinyl yep and uh so I just decided to 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 put up the money for that and and work on it and uh uh we used some art from issue two i believe that jason did but then i had rico renzi who's a pretty amazing colorist on some pretty big books who i've befriended uh, color because i just wanted to have i wanted to have it look a little bit different for the record and uh my buddy matt 
Stuart, who's on the Metalheads podcast, he's a graphic designer. So he did the design with me. I kind of sketched out like what I would like on the back. There's a, a LED sword with a heart and it's going through it. And so Matt did the design on it. And it was just like an amazing collaboration because I got to work with all my friends on something and create something amazing for the book. Yep. And, uh, you know, the songs turned out great. The, the, the album came out awesome. We pressed it on blue vinyl, purple vinyl, orange vinyl. Um, NPR covered it on, uh, wow, okay. on one of their shows. So it was uh, great. And there was just a natural, it was a natural move for me to just start a record company for it in case I ever want to do more stuff, which I, I have done one other thing. Uh, so Skull Fracture is the name of my company. So Skull Fracture Records, if I ever do Skull Fracture Comics, it's the perfect, perfect name for it. It's pretty badass. For sure. So that's yeah. how that came up. And, and Jason actually did the logo for me because uh, I had kind of drawn out a logo and asked Jason to help me out with it. And he, he did a, a killer logo. I wanted a cat skull that was fractured because I love cats. Yes, you do. Yes, uh, so, so, so that's how that all started. And so now I have Skull Fracture Records. There's a, there's a website and uh, we're sold out of most of the vinyls actually already, but we have some blue ones left. Um, I think that probably go pretty fast once I start doing conventions, which I haven't, haven't really done that much. I signed a lot in Hawaii, but, uh, but haven't done a lot of conventions. Hawaii is I, I signed every single issue in Hawaii, which was wow. really fun because the, the store asked me to do that because they just don't have that many creators there. Yeah, know? for sure. They have a lot of local creators, but they don't have people who have like worldwide books that are coming out on a regular basis. Right. The local creators are amazing there but they might put out a book every, you know, couple of years or something like that with by the horns. It's coming out every month. So yeah, it was great. I loved, uh, I loved doing that. And the, the fans were so supportive of uh, by the horns in Hawaii. Yeah. So I'm going to have to sneak one of those, uh, the blue ones before this podcast actually drops. I'm going to, I'm going to order one of those because that's pretty cool. That's oh pretty man. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. I listened to the, the blade through your heart track and it's got, to me, it had like a dream theater meets Danzig almost vibe to it. I dug it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's what I like about Arctic Sleep. It's like they're a doom metal, but it's kind of got a, that, that 90s rock to it. It, it has um, a little bit of shoegaze to it, you know, that I like. And I think it's, they're a perfect band, especially for this, because they're kind of a crossover band, in my opinion, you know. It's not the super heavy metal that I listen to. Now I listen to all kinds of different metal. Yeah. So not all of it is just like screaming or, you know, death vocals, but cannibal corpse. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think Arctic sleep, they're just, they have that kind of a crossover appeal and has an emotional feeling to all the music that I, that I think is just necessary for our book. Yeah. Cause there's so much of that in there. So yeah, Keith D is just, He's awesome. Now I'm back from Hawaii and I got to go visit him and, and, and have a barbecue with him. So we'll, we'll see. Are you going to reprise that for dark earth? We didn't do it. I really wanted to do um, songs for each one. He's, he's really busy right now because he does multiple bands, different projects. I would, he would do it, but I just didn't want to impose on him too much, you know, because he's got all these other projects um, I, my, my idea was for every series, we do a couple tracks. Cause like I said, we have maybe four or five series planned. And then at the end, we would put out a full length LP that have, would have all those songs plus an additional song. So that was my, excuse me, that was my, uh, thought, but, and he was for that, but I just felt like, oh, I should let him do his other projects. I shouldn't just take all his time with this but we'll see you know it's never too late to do that kind of stuff man because yeah. you can always do it for the trade for sure yeah absolutely well mm -hmm. I'm, i noticed it in the background <clears throat> podcast listeners can't but hey markistan has a sword in the background so i think that fits really <laughs> really well with by the horn so is that a replica i can't see exactly what's that a replica of? oh it's conan's father's sword yeah yeah okay, sorry okay. i don't know the lights on back there uh, but uh, yeah, it's Conan's father's sword. Nice. Yeah, I'm a big Conan fan. So uh, yeah. I have a lot of the, this is one of the fun things 
So because I'm older and you can get everything you want right now, you know, digitally or whatever, but I miss those early days. And I'm sure you know about these, Byron, when you could just go to a comic shop, you could go to a convention and find like key issues that, that, that you were missing. Yep. Miss that search, that hunt. So I do that with Conan issues. I never buy them online. I only buy them at comic shops that I visit or I buy them at cons. So, and I'm trying to get the entire run. I have most of them, but I don't have all of them yet. So uh, that's, that, that's a fun thing uh, for me to do. And there's 275 issues in that initial Marvel run. Yeah, uh, so, that's ambitious. Yes. So I, have, I probably have over 200 of them. So I had a lot when I was a kid, but they were kind of sporadic. And then I filled those holes. In, and then, of course, there was stuff that came out before then. And, uh, you know, I didn't get some stuff at the end. And those end issues are, are like worth a lot of money for some reason, because yes, they didn't yes. print very many of them. But yeah, I like that part of it. I try to duplicate that, uh, that feeling that I had when I was a kid of trying to find it. And uh, I was just in California and I went to a couple of comic book shops and they had a couple of issues that I, that I needed. So uh, I love that. Like, oh, finally, I found this one. <laughs> Do you read the, the modern iterations of Conan? Do you enjoy those, like the Savage Avengers and stuff? Um, uh, yeah, the David Pepos. Yeah, I know, I, well, I know David, so I definitely pick up Savage Avengers. Um, yeah. I read the Jason Aaron stuff. Yeah. That's been coming out. And then, um, and I can't remember the name of the company, but they've been putting out the European uh, editions of Conan. They call it the Sumerian. Yeah. And uh, uh, so they, they put out classic stories like Red Dales and stuff like that. I, do you remember the name of that company? I can't remember what it's called. Mm -mm, not off the top of my head. I can't think of it. Anyways, I read those, but, and I love the artwork in them, but they need an editor badly in that because they'll, they'll translate it and it's just the words would be misspelled. It's not punctuated properly. So it kind of kills my enjoyment. I mean, I've actually thought about like sending a message like, hey, I'll, I'll edit these for free just so I can read them better. <laughs> Sorry, company that I can't remember, but yeah, it's not very, it's not well done. They could do a little bit better job with the translation, but I love the stories because they're based on the, you know, the, the Howard stuff and uh, um, the artwork. I love like European styles. It's yeah. perfect for Conan. So every once in a while, I'll pick up one of those series and see how it's going. But um yeah, yeah. Now Jason Aaron, he's in the midst of the the King Conan run. So I haven't read it I, because it's a miniseries. I usually wait till it till it's finished and then I'll read the whole thing. But I buy the single issues. Yeah, I'm I'm a trade junkie. I I, I really like having a story kind of contained so I can just really get into the meat of it. I used mm -hmm. to be. Well, I worked in three comic book shops when I was mm -hmm. really really young. It's my first three jobs, you know. So I was used to that 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 buzz right you you get a book in you crack it open oh you know just immediately tore into all that stuff and now i was like no no i want, <laughs> I want the full story so i totally get it i mean because i'm a creator and i know that those single issues drive the sales i yeah. want to try to support the creator so what i do is i buy the single issues and sometimes i'll wait to read the whole series if it's a mini series or whatever and then if I really, really love that book, I will buy it in trade or hardcover and then I'll give away the issues. So okay. like free comic book days coming up. So I always bring a big box of comics of stuff that I'll just get rid of. And so that's how I do it. Or I'll give it to people I know or the library or something like that, you know? Awesome. Because mm -hmm. I want people to be able to read comics as well who might not know about them or might not have the money for them or just or might be interested in a comic book we haven't really experienced it yet so yeah. i try to i try to do that uh, but i have like i mean that's a, a minuscule <laughs> uh selection of the graphic novels i actually have back here because uh, we just moved so that's my office this is my office here but um i have i have a lot of like hardcovers and and trade paperbacks uh i feel like i actually have to get rid of some of them at some point here I know that feeling. So let's help you push a couple of like individual issues then for sales purposes of Dark Earth. So I assume you have a couple of variant covers. I know I'm old because I just really don't care that much about variant mm -hmm. covers with the exception of, uh, I recently interviewed Kyle Starks and his book, Fuck This Place. And there's like 
the I hate this place, and then there's the fuck oh, this right, place right, cover. Right, right. So I definitely wanted the fuck this place cover. So right, because that was the original title, and then yeah. people got upset about it or something, and then they had to change it. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of annoying, but uh, it is cool that they still did the cover. You know. So so who's doing uh, variant covers on Dark Earth? Uh, let's see who is doing the variant covers. Um, well, Jonathan LaMancha, who I mentioned is doing the scout, um, store exclusive cover. And so that has one of the creatures on it, um, from, from, uh, the travel maps. Okay. So that's pretty cool. Um, you can only get that one on the, uh, on the scout site. And then um, but I live 35 minutes away, so I can get it from the store. <laughs> nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. You do. Oh, I didn't even realize that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, the, and those 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 um covers that from the for the scout store are the are the cardstock version of them. So I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, they're 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 pretty nice. And um we have a, a one in ten variant. Um, I can't remember Jason got the artist Roman Nelly, I think is her name, her last name. Um, so that was the one in 10 variant. I think a store has to order at least 10 copies of by the horns in order to get the right to order that B cover, which is pretty cool. It's got like uh, Elodie and Sage and Evelyn fighting a dragon on there. And, uh, Evelyn has like a Gatling gun. Uh, which is interesting because it doesn't actually happen in the book, but uh, you know, it's neat to see these artists interpretations of, uh, of what they would do with the characters. Um, so those are the variants I think that are coming out. I don't, there's not any others. We're going to do a variant for every single issue, but scouts not going to do the one in 10 variants for any of their books uh, after the first issue, I believe. So you're just going to be able to get the regular cover uh, which Jason always draws, and then you can go to the Scout store, and we're gonna have we're gonna have a special variant that you can get. So Jonathan's covers, um, he's doing a series of the the Bestiary series, and so um, he's gonna do every other issue. So it's gonna be one, three, five, and then okay. in between that, um, we've got some uh, other covers. I don't know if I can talk about some of the other ones yet. Okay, <laughs> but what's cool. I'll tell you what's cool though, Byron, is that there's people who are just who are artists who do really great comics who are just fans of By the Horns and just send me messages and say, Oh, I'd love to do a cover for you. Oh, that's cool. For By the Horns. Like, oh, that's really nice of you. I appreciate it. I'm not a big variant cover person, but what I like about variant covers is that you kind of get to highlight some of these artists who are up and coming. Yeah. You know, um, so Maria Wolf, who did the variant for uh, by the horns number one um, is now like a huge cover artist doing stuff for Marvel, uh, DC vault. So, you know, and, and her first cover ever cover was ours and she's a friend of mine and I've been wanting her to do covers for years and finally got her to do it. And now she's just taken off. And that's, I love that. That's what I want. I want people to, to look at her stuff and want more from her because yeah. she's such a great artist. And uh, so there's been a couple artists, I think, um, on Voracious and uh, and By the Horns that, uh, you know, they've gotten other work just because people have seen the covers on there. And so I, I like that quite a bit. You know, I, I, I like the idea, just like Metalheads, I like the idea of community and try to help people um, get their visions, their art, um, their work out there that they might not be able, they might not have a vehicle for that. Because um, there are so many terrific artists uh, in the world, and you know, there's only so much space there. And I don't know what what editors from from publishers are doing or how they're finding finding people. But if I can play a small part in that, then I like I, I definitely like that. Yeah, pay it forward, man. Yeah, it, it's a small community. Everything comes around. Mm -hmm. And and that that kindness, I keep telling my son all the time. I was like, dude, every single career path that you want to choose like that ultimately the community is small be nice to people you never know so i mean just be nice to people in general as well yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it, how it, I go. good advice to but, yeah, that's true i mean yeah because yeah, there's 
I feel like um, in comics, just in life in general, people um, they have they have this like a sense of competition or something. They see somebody succeed at something and they they get upset because they haven't succeeded at it or, or jealousy or whatever. And shouldn't be that way. Just celebrate the fact that people are doing creative endeavors. You know that they're they're getting stuff out there, and you know be nice to people because uh, not just because you you'll never know, but just because it's the right thing to do. For sure. Absolutely. Well, my last question, I'm a dog person. Mm-hmm. What is it with metal heads and their damn cats? Like it, this is okay. So Mater James Keenan and his little shrimpy dog. Okay. He's like the dog person, but like metal heads love cats. What's I don't get it. <laughs> well, you really, you don't understand. Well, the common house cat, is the most vicious killer in the animal kingdom. Okay, okay, okay. The most vicious and efficient killer in the animal kingdom because they kill a variety of different creatures. Birds, yes. Birds, yes. Insects, squirrels, like rats, mice. They're the most metal creatures ever (laughs) in the history of the world. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, and even like bigger cats, they don't do that. It's the house cat that, that, that is the most efficient murderer of other creatures i see the duality so, yeah. of your, your personality here be nice to people i love murderous cats. So. well you know i like and cats well especially my cat is very cuddly there's something about that softness of the cat you know being able to hold the cat or be near him always so so that's my name of my cat he always wants to be near me but the fact that he could at any moment turn and like attack a bird I like that part of it. You know, he's self-sufficient. Yes, they are. And badass, but also. Well, I wanted to give you the opportunity to, to brag about your cat. And <laughs> I just saw the, you know, it's really cool that you you put and, and Jason put them in the book. You know, they're, they're in by the horn. So there's a oh, tribute, yeah. you know. And That was and Jason's I, idea. Yeah, I had, uh, well, I think I actually put it in the back because Jason writes these um, notes about, uh, about, the designs and, and things we've done in the book and every single issue. Cause he likes to do those kind of extras. Um, but originally I was going to name him after well-known metal singers and, but Jason didn't like the more like earthbound names. Sure. So he's like, what if we name him after a cat? Cause he knows I have a soft spot for my cat. It's like the one thing I like more than metal is okay. my cat. So then we ended up changing his cat's name is Rigby and my cat's name is Zoso. So they ended up, they ended up being the names of the the unicorns and then we put the pictures of our cats in the book which is really cool yeah yeah that's super cool well it's been so much fun getting to chat with you today man about by the horns and deviating off in the metal (laughs) yeah you got so much stuff going on i really appreciate you coming on with me today yeah anytime byron thanks for for having me on Uh, i really enjoyed the conversation yeah yeah where can everyone find you online and follow you uh, yeah, my uh, website is marcuson.com. So you can go there and uh, I have a store and there's there's samples of things um, that I've done. There's like a, f- a free story that Jason and I did, a horror story that's eight pages. Um, so that's fun. Um, you can find me on social media. Um, I'm uh, Darth Son on Twitter and Darth Marcuson on Instagram. Um, you can go to metalheadspodcast.com to listen to different episodes there. And um, it's a Metalheads Pod on Twitter and Metalheads Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Okay. And By the Horns, Dark Earth, I think it got pushed back a little bit. So when can we expect to see it on shelves? Man, I wish I knew. It was supposed to come out the 20th and then it just keeps getting pushed back. Last I heard the printer was having issues with the machine. So I haven't heard when it's actually coming out. Um, I hope, hopefully soon. I hope it's this month. <laughs> Usually I get my uh, my comps and it's like two weeks before and I haven't gotten those yet. Okay. So, you know, obviously people are pretty aware there's a lot of delays in printing and everything. And um, so that's been happening. It's just, it's frustrating because we've had the issues done for so long, but um yeah, I'm hoping it comes out soon, but I haven't actually heard of the actual release date, so I can't commit to one right now. But okay, okay. I'm very anxious for it to come out so people can read the, the next chapter. 
Yeah, well, <clears throat> listeners out there, I hope we've teased enough that you want to pick it up. Um, support Marcus on and Jason on, on this project. If you enjoy a good original fantasy story, you need to look no further. I absolutely loved it. And I got to give you a big thanks, man, for being understand about my need to reschedule. Anything you do, I'm in, I'll buy. You made a loyal customer, man. Wow, so, I really appreciate that, Byron. Yeah, yeah. I'm really glad we got to do this. Um, this is Byron O'Neill on behalf of all of us at Comic Book Yeti. Thanks for listening and see you next time. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptic Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing, and more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.